Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. I am Eric Erlinson from Lightning Insider. Com and welcome you into week two of the Lightning season. We are three games into a full 82-game season, or what we expect to be a full 82-game season, because if we've learned anything over the last, uh, I don't know, 18, 19 months, is that everything is a fluid situation at the moment, but the belief and the thought process is that we will get a full 82 game schedule into the books here for the 2021-2022 NHL season and the Lightning as I said are three games in now they do hold a record of 2-0-1 we're going to get into what we've learned about this team here shortly but I think we have to get to The news, first of all, as I record this ahead of the matchup against the Florida Panthers, that we know Nikita Kucherov is going to miss some time. We don't know how much time at this point. John Cooper only categorized things as not day-to-day. He didn't say week-to-week. He didn't say month-to-month. Uh, Again, as of Monday afternoon, the team was still gathering information on the situation, but uh, he did say it's uh, going to be, uh, he hinted at it's going to be a long-term situation for Nikita Kucherov. And of course, what does that mean? That it's not a day-to-day thing? Well, if you read between the lines, so to speak, or you kind of figure out the way that certain people give responses to certain questions. It was not an optimistic response that John Cooper gave. So when he speaks like that, you have to think that perhaps maybe it's it's long-term. And by long-term, I mean long-term. Uh, look, they don't have all the information again, as of this recording, but you can expect that Nikita Kucherov is going to miss a significant amount of time for what otherwise looked like an innocuous sort of play. Um, But to let you judge for yourself on John Cooper's response when asked about the question on Monday, here's what he had to say. Cooch, it's definitely not day-to-day. So this is a... Wait till we get official word, but um, he's he's definitely out, gonna be out for a while here. Uh, but I'm not gonna put a timetable on it till we get official word. But he's uh, 
in the short term here is definitely out. So you can hear there's not a ton of optimism in that voice, which kind of gives you the idea that perhaps maybe this is something that's going to require surgery. And if it does, we are talking months. If it's a groin, if it's a sports hernia, it's pretty clear based on how he left the ice uh, Saturday on what was really not much contact at all. He did kind of stretch his his right leg back uh, while he was kind of, I don't want to say tangled up, but he was kind of in and around Garnet Hathaway uh, high in the offensive zone. And he just immediately, he grabbed his, what looked like at the time, the middle part uh, of his lower abdomen or his right groin muscle, somewhere in that area, uh, was an obvious discomfort right away. Uh, couldn't really put any weight on the leg, getting back to the, the bench. Even had a couple of Washington players kind of give him a little boost and help push him along in order to get back to the bench. Uh, but you could tell right away he did not look good. The comments from John Cooper after the game didn't sound very optimistic, and unfortunately those uh, thoughts have come to fruition here, that he's going to miss some time. And of course, he missed all 56 games of the regular season last year, came back for the playoffs, led all scorers for the second year in a row in postseason scoring, helped lead Tampa Bay to a second consecutive Stanley Cup title, and they were they were really looking forward to having a healthy Nikita Kucherov for the season and the presence that he brings to this team as one of the top four or five offensive players in the game. Remember, this is a guy who two years ago, I guess three years ago now at this point, uh, almost three years ago, put up 129 points. Numbers that we hadn't seen since Mario Lemieux and Yammer Yager were dominating the league for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So he is easily one of the top four or five offensive players in the league, and he's not going to be available for a good portion of time. Again, we don't know an exact timeline at this point, but he is going to miss some time. And anytime you take a player of that caliber out of your lineup, you're going to miss him. You're going to miss him. He is a superstar in this league. He is in the category of Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Austin Matthews. If you think of any of those teams who would be missing their top offensive players, you simply cannot replace them. You just can't replace them in the lineup. You can't replace their roles. You can't replace what their minutes are. And you most certainly are not going to replace their points. Yet here the Lightning are for the second consecutive season having to deal with the absence of Nikita Kucherov. Now, they last year, they were able to overcome that because of the depth that they had. Right, You could take a Nikita Kucherov out of the lineup and you could mix and match what your lines were going to look like. 
You had Yanni Gord, Barclay Goodrow, and Blake Coleman as sort of a go-to line that you could throw out there in any situation. Right? You had Stamkos and Kalorn and Sorelli and Pilat and Braden Point still as top offensive guys, and you still have that. But what they don't have this year is that depth. So when you take a player from one of the lower lines and put them into a top-line role, again, it changes the dynamic of what the team can put out there on the ice. And they have nobody in their lineup that's capable of doing anything close to what Nikita Kucherov can do. The first player who looks as if he's going to get a crack at it is Corey Perry. Corey Perry did practice with Palat and Point. So you're going to have the three Ps on a line, presumably for the short term, and see how it goes. John Cooper used the word experiment with certain things here. You're really going to feel his absence on the power play. He sets up at that right circle, and the power play runs through Nikita Kucherov. He's not in a traditional quote-unquote quarterback position on the power play, but make no mistake, the power play runs through Nikita Kucherov along the half board. He hangs out there. He he is the one who directs traffic. Is he going down low to Alex Kalorn to maybe set up something for Braden Point in the bumper spot? Does he send a pass directly to Braden Point? Does he go across the ice to Steven Stamkos for a possible one-timer? We've certainly seen that connection hook up many times through the years. Does he go back to Victor Hedman and let Hedman send a pass over to Stamkos? Does he let Hedman shoot? Everything runs through Nikita Kucherov on that power play. There's a reason it was so successful in the postseason. Because Nikita Kucherov was back on it. And he means that much. Game one against the Florida Panthers, you saw the importance of Nikita Kucherov on the power play. Now the Panthers were not able to see Tampa Bay's top unit intact because obviously Kucherov missed the entire season. So they got a, it was a new look in some ways for them, even though it was a familiar look. It was an old look. And Nikita Kucherov scored two power play goals in that game. And because he scored the two power play goals in that game, he was able to set up Braden Point for the game tying goal in the third period that Tampa Bay would eventually go on to win. But because Sergei Bobrovsky and the penalty killers had to respect, I guess is the best way to put it, or overplay to Kucherov's side because he had scored the two goals, it opened up the seam and then it opened up the opportunity for Braden Point where all he had to do in that situation was just make sure his stick directed the puck towards the net because Bobrovsky was way over to his post, leaving that entire side open. So you saw right away the importance and the significance of the Lightning's power play when Nikita Kucherov's on it. Andre Palat is going to get that opportunity from that spot on the power play. But make no mistake, as good as Andre Palat is, and he's a top-level player, he's not in Nikita Kucherov's class, but he is a top-level player, He is. teams are not going to look at this power play the same way with Andre Palat over there compared to Nikita Kucherov. 
You're just not. If Andre Palat's going to beat you, you're fine with that. And, and Palat's capable of doing it. We saw it in the early stages of last year when he was over in that spot. He didn't spend the entire year there, but he did spend a good portion of the season in that spot on the power play. And he's capable of whipping off a few one-timers over there. But he's not directing traffic the way Nikucharov does. He, he is not a focal point of the team. And because he's a focal point, because Kucherov is a focal point of the penalty kill unit, that's what opens up that seam to Steven Stamkos to get off that one-timer. Right? It is his presence over there that opens up the seam to get to Braden Point. Now it'll be interesting to see how the Lightning put together their power play strategy do they let Victor Hedman run the show? It's probably the most likely situation. But he's not he's going to direct things differently than Kucherov does. He'll be the guy who decides do you try and set up Palat for the one timer on your right? Do you try and set up Stamkos for the one timer on your left and let things go from there? Look, Steven Stamkos is not going to be the guy to direct traffic. He is the shooter. He is the guy pounding pucks away from the left circle. So this completely changes the way teams approach a penalty kill against Tampa Bay's power play with no Nikita Kucherov out there. And, of course, it changes the dynamic of the lines. Because you bump up a parry, for now, into the top line. You put back together a line with Ross Colton, Matthew Joseph, and Pat Maroon. But now you've got a good veteran in Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who is, again, for the time being, centering two rookies, as he was in practice anyway, in Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish. And we'll see what kind of roster moves they make, because there will have to be roster moves made once it's determined how much time Kucherov is going to miss. But the Lightning don't have anybody in their minor league system that you could sit here and qualify and say for sure he's a top six forward at the NHL level. Jimmy Huntington coming off a four-goal AHL Player of the Week opening weekend for Syracuse. Center the second line for the crunch. Is he bona fide top six guy in the NHL? Probably not. He's a third-year pro. You've got some rookies. Cole Kepke is a potential Max Shakovich is a potential, but again, two games into their AHL career. You're not going to rely on them to come up and try and be a top six guy at this point. And this is where the loss of Alex Barry Belay has an impact. Barry Belay, of course, was claimed off of waivers by the Seattle Kraken when Tampa Bay had to set their roster to start the year. And Barry Belay did take top six minutes the last half or the last month of last season, he did play with Point and Palat. He got some opportunities with those two guys in the preseason as well. Ultimately, they chose to keep Kachuk and Radish and take their chances on putting Barbelay on waivers. He was he's a top six guy, or at least he's he projects as a top six guy, a former AHL goal scoring leader just two years ago. But they don't have anybody else in their system that is capable of stepping into a top six role. 
And again, you look at you look at what they have at their on their NHL roster. Matthew Joseph has played top six minutes before. Maybe eventually he gets the opportunity. Ross Colton, potentially, he saw a little bit of time there. More of a third and a fourth line guy uh, for a good portion of last season when he was up. So they have nobody that can take these minutes. So this is going to be a significant loss. Tampa Bay is now in a situation to where they are absolutely going to have to find a way to win games, munch points, stay in the top three of the Atlantic Division. And while I don't know how deep the Atlantic Division is, we know Florida's better. They were already a good team, and they land a guy like Sam Reinhart in the offseason. You know, you've got Spencer Knight now backing up Sergei Bobrovsky, and who knows, maybe by halfway through the season, it, it's the other way around. So we know that Florida is a good team. You figure Toronto, as usual, is going to be there, right? They have some question marks, but can you sit here and say they're not a top three team in the Atlantic? I don't think so. How good are the Boston Bruins? book is still out on that and then you have a much better but the bar was already low Detroit Red Wings you have an improving young and hungry Ottawa team but again the bar is very low for them to take steps forward you've got Buffalo who were a mess in the offseason really haven't solved some of their off-ice situations Jumped out 2-0 start, but does anybody expect that to be maintained? I don't think so. And then you've got the Montreal Canadiens, who were the opponent for Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup Final. You know, where do they sit? They don't have Carey Price for the time being. He's going to miss at least the first month. Shea Weber, of course, potentially his career might be over. How strong is Montreal going to be? So, as you look at this division, Tampa Bay is still a very talented team. That talent took a big is going to take a big hit for as long as Kucherov is out. But they're still one of the top teams. You've got Vasilevsky in that. You've got arguably one of the top decor, especially your top four in the league. And you've got high-end talent. You've got a power play that can still produce, maybe not to what it might have with a healthy Kucherov, but it can still produce. So this team is still capable. So what you have to do is make sure you stay there so that when he does come back, whenever that is, is it December, February? If you're a conspiracy theorist, first game of the playoffs? Whenever it is, you have to make sure you're in a situation to where you're in the playoffs so that he's he's capable and he's able to come back and help you in another postseason, potential postseason run. So that's the task that Tampa Bay now has in front of them. And again, this is just three games into a season. And as I mentioned, what we've learned about this team in the early, very early stages, first off, the injury bug is real. It is real because they are without Zach Bogosian, who suffered what 
again, they didn't classify this as anything, but it's probably a fracture of some sort because he's out four to six weeks. Suffered that opening night against Pittsburgh. Kucherov injured. Jan Ruda left Saturday's game. Question mark about his availability, though he did practice. Cal Foote has not been available since the start of training camp. He's potentially getting close with Saturday against Colorado, the absolute soonest he would be able to play. So the injury bug is real. It's already taken a bite out of this team, again, just a week into the season. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. But here's a couple of things that we've learned. Maybe the Stanley Cup hangover is real. No team in the league has played as much hockey as Tampa Bay in the last calendar year. Remember, it was just not even one year and one month ago they won the 2020 Stanley Cup championship. They have won two Stanley Cups in that time frame. Win two Stanley Cups in under a calendar year, 283 days to be exact. And I think that was a big reason why the emotion wasn't there for opening night as they lose to Pittsburgh. I mean, the score ends up being 6-2, to two, but let's face it, it was more of a 3 to nothing game, if anything. A couple of empty net goals, well, three empty net goals. Tampa Bay scores a couple of extra attacker goals to make it interesting. But they were flat. There's no doubt. Looked better against Detroit. Still looked out of sorts. A little out of sync. Uh, End up rallying for a 7-6 overtime victory. Uh, (laughs) Scoring three goals in the final 6-17 of the third period is the latest in NHL history. A team has come back from down three goals that late in a game to go on to win the game. Andre Pilat with the overtime winner in that one. But then they go to Washington against a quality Washington team. We weren't sure what we might see out of the Capitals this year. But they look like they're pretty good. Not that that's a surprise. A little bit of an aging team. They don't have Nicholas Backstrom who's recovering from hip surgery. You know, But they still have Alex Ovechkin. They you know, picked up Anthony Mantha at that big trade deadline deal last year. John Carlson. Some questions about the goaltending, but Vitek Vanacek really looked good in his uh, outing against um, Tampa Bay on Saturday. But the Lightning looked a lot more like who the Lightning are. Right? They got back to some of their work ethic. The compete level was up. They had the puck. They possessed the puck. They created some really good chances. I think the End of the game, five on five, even strength numbers had Tampa Bay at 14 to 1 in high danger chances. And I believe it was somewhere around 30 to 20, somewhere in that range in scoring chances. So they had the better opportunities. Though Washington had more shots on goal, Tampa Bay did have the better quality chances in that game. But that looked more and more like the team that we are familiar with, right? We understand who they are. They understand who they are. They didn't panic. They didn't let the game plan slip away. There were no players going off on the individual plays to try and help. You know, misguided help sometimes, and you try and do it all yourself. 
They stuck with the game plan, which has been, you know, if you've seen any of the behind-the-scenes videos, if you've listened to any of John Cooper's comments through the past couple of years, you've heard the phrase process over outcome. Well, the process was there for the first time on Saturday, the full process from start to finish. It was there. And what you saw was a team that understood that, stayed with it, and even when they fell behind late in the second period on a goal from Alex Ovechkin, they didn't panic, they didn't force things, they stuck with it. They end up getting the tying goal. Their penalty kill was fantastic in that game. They had to kill off a Washington power play with about five minutes to go in the third period and a chance to go ahead and probably win the game. And then Washington gets a four-on-three power play in overtime, which you think of the weapons they have out there with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin and uh, John Carlson. They get some; Those are some really good power play performers, and the penalty kill did a fantastic job of making sure that didn't burn them. Andre Vasilevsky, who looked shaky in the first two games. The game against Detroit, he let in a couple of goals. You're like, ugh. He was sharp. So that looked like the team that we saw grind their way, especially last year, to a Stanley Cup championship. Now we'll see how they react moving forward without one of their top players and Nikita Khrushchev available to them, at least in the short term here. Again, hopefully there'll be a full prognosis for his return. I wouldn't hold your breath that it's a short-term thing. Now, I would have to think that this is at minimum, at minimum a month. Again, I don't know anything other than some research I've done on what the potential injury it is. If this is what it appears to be, you are talking probably a minimum of a month, potentially up to four months. Again, that's me speculating. That's kind of talking, uh, thinking while I talk and talking while I think situation so we'll see how they handle his absence they look they have had experience before right there's been a couple of times they've been without Steven Stamkos we know they were missing Nikita Kucherov last year so they've had situations where they have missed their top players and they've been able to find a way except in 2017 when Steven Stamkos suffered that knee injury in November and was unable to return and the team missed the playoffs. I don't expect that to be the case this year. Um, much different situation this time around. But we'll see how they react. They should be in a situation to where they understand what's in front of them and go forward with it. It, You know, you always say that when a player misses time, you can withstand it for a short term. You can fill it in for a short term, but eventually you start to feel that void. So we'll see how long it takes for Tampa Bay to feel that void and then how they deal with that void. And, you know, a lot of speculation, a lot of talk out there. Well, maybe they can make a trade. It's possible. It is entirely possible that they could pull off a trade. You know, look, if he's out, if Kucherov is out for a long, long period of time, we're talking through the end of April, you are able to use his long-term injury relief to exceed the salary cap. And 
Certainly, if you're listening to me here, you are familiar with what the situation was with the salary cap last year and how they were able to keep their roster intact and utilize the LTI pool to be able to do it. So if he's on LTI again, you are able to utilize that space. The thing is, is that when he is available, assuming, let's say he is able to come back before the end of the regular season, you have to have the cap space available when he comes back. So that's the that's the tricky thing. If you're Julian Breezebois, Matthew Darsh, and the front office staff there at 401 Channel Side Drive. It can be done, but it's tricky. And a lot of it's going to be determined on how long he misses. And again, we don't know the answer to that yet. We don't know if surgery is required. We don't know if it's just rehab that's going to be required. They're still gathering information as I sit here and discuss this with you right now, knowing that this is just after three games. They haven't played their fourth game yet. Again, full 82-game schedule, 79 more games remaining. But here's the other kicker. Nikita Kucherov has already been named to Team Russia's Olympic team, Olympic hockey team. He does not want to miss that. So you would have to think that he is going to do everything in his power, and, and he doesn't have control over some of this stuff, right? He doesn't have control what the injury is and how to go about fixing it and all that. But he will do, and you know how hard he works. You've heard about how hard he works. He will put in the work, whether it's rehab, whether it's, it's surgery, rehabilitation, um, whatever it is, you know he's going to put in the work because he doesn't want to miss the Olympics. The, the NHL didn't allow the players to go in 2018. He was just a rookie in 14. Actually, he wasn't even in the NHL at that point when they went to the Olympics. He was still 17, 18 years old. So he doesn't want to miss this opportunity. And Russia, look, it looks like they're going to have a pretty good team, right? You're going to have Vasilevsky in net. You'll have Sergachev on the back end. You'll have Dmitry Orlov on the back end. You've got Ovechkin. You've got Malkin, assuming he's healthy. You know, you've got Kuznetsov. You've got a pretty dynamic Russian team that's capable of winning a gold medal. And you know he wants to be a part. I didn't want to miss this. So you know he'll do everything he can to work his way back. It's going to be a question of what can the team do in the short term to sustain or work their way through dealing with his injury. It's a significant loss. It's a very significant loss. So they're going to have to find ways to deal with it. They're going to have to find ways to forge forward with the loss of Kucherov. Again, unfortunately, they have experience in dealing with these things, as they have in the past, including from January to May of last year when Kucherov missed the entire year coming off the hip surgery. We all know about that. So that's that's what they're dealing with. So that's what we, we know about Nikita Kucherov. It's what we've learned a little bit about Tampa Bay. There's Look, there's going to be some... I hate to use the term growing pains, but when you bring in, you know, five new players, basically, right? You bring in Perry, you bring in Belmar, you have Kachuk, you have Radish, Brian Elliott, the goaltender. When you bring in new faces, it takes some time. 
it takes some time for them to get integrated into the system, to get integrated into the locker room, to get integrated into the expectations of them on the ice, especially when you're dealing with rookies. You don't worry so much about Perry and Belmar because they are professionals. They've been around for a while. They understand their role and what they're asked to do here. But you still have to find chemistry with line mates. So, you know, I've said it before and I wrote about it before the season started that the early parts of this season, kind of going back to what John Cooper said with Kucherov out, a lot of it might be experimenting, quote-unquote. Finding right fits. Who can play where? Who can play with whom? You were already going to have to do that before Kucherov went down. Now he went down. Now it's a different type of experimenting with. So it's going to take a little bit of time to find all that. And the whole idea here, this is where the game in Detroit is important in this aspect. Only game two. But they lost game one. They gave up four goals to Tyler Bertuzzi. Detroit was rocking. It was their their season opener, their home opener. But Tampa Bay found a way to get points. Not only get points, to win the game. Despite being down by scores of 3-0, 4-1, and 6-3. They found a way to win that game in overtime. So Munch points. You'll hear John Cooper probably use that phrase a few times here in the early stages. Munch points to where you can get yourself into a steady rhythm where the good habits that the coaching staff wants the players to figure out start to become natural, right? So there's not so much thinking going on on the ice. So that's what the early stages of this season was already going to be, and it's even more so now that you are missing Nikita Kucherov for a good portion of the season. So make sure the ship doesn't take on water, Keep yourselves above that line. Don't fall behind. Munch points. Stay up near the top and be able to win games despite what's against you. So that's the Kucherov loss. That's what we learned about the Lightning in the first three games. That was what we have to expect from them in the next few games. Uh, Their schedule looks like this over the next week or so. Uh, Florida on Tuesday, that would be... Um, October the 19th. They're off until Saturday when they host the Colorado Avalanche. They will head up to Buffalo on Monday. They will play a back-to-back game first time, so you can expect Brian Elliott to get his first uh, game of the season as they're in Pittsburgh. The following night, they host Arizona On the 28th, they're off. Hey, a free weekend, guys. Halloween weekend is free. Be safe. Go out and enjoy yourselves because the Lightning don't play again until November the 1st when they host the Washington Capitals. So that's that's the next week plus uh, of what to expect for Tampa Bay. Uh, I do expect to be back uh, with another podcast before then. Uh, Hopefully we'll have a better understanding and an idea of where this team is and where they're at and how long Nikita Kucherov is out by the next time we do talk. Uh, But as always, I thank everybody for listening. Make sure you subscribe to this so that as soon as it pops in, you get that notification on your phone that says, hey, brand new Lightning Insider podcast is up and available to listen to. You can hit download, listen to it at your leisure. Uh, Anytime you have questions, 
You can find me on Twitter. My under um, my handle is at Eric underscore Erlinson. It's E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. Send me a message on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com slash lightning insider. And, of course, my email is eric at lightning insider. Dot com. If you ever want to have questions, if you have questions, maybe I'll include them in the podcast. Maybe we'll do a mailbag podcast at some point uh, as well. Uh, so again, thanks everybody as always for listening. For LightningInsider.com, I am Eric Rowlandson. Talk to you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.